Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the afternoon show, which is Looking Up, with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. How are you, Danny? I'm doing great, thanks, Peter. Looking forward to this afternoon. Looking forward to another show. Um, In our program today, we're going to look at... um, A number of things related to the coronavirus and in terms of prophecy, we were looking at this last week. We're going to pick up basically from where we uh, left off and we'll do a little bit of review in a moment and I'll get you to talk a little bit about what we talked about last week. But if people want to contact us this week, they can do so. And if you want to contact us with a comment or a question about the topics that we've talked about last week or this week, you can call in on 1-800-324-844. Three. That's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. You can call in and uh, let us know your comments and questions. You can also text, and the number to text to will be o four nine one o six four six six nine. So send your texts to o four nine one o six four six six nine, and then you'll be able to get your messages through to us and we'd be happy to to hear from you get some feedback from you but also get any questions that you may have about what we are talking about in this uh, series of messages on faith fm radio now i thought i would um, tell you a little bit about um, two online programs that you may be interested in uh, that deal with some of the topics that we've been talking about, Danny. And we promoted these last week, but um, we will um, let folks know that there are um, episodes to watch right now. Uh, these two meetings, one, uh, one of them is called The End, What the Bible Says About the End Times. Uh, and so um, we hope that people will go to that. Now, you just go to theend.digital. If you go to the website, you'll be able to find it there. If you go to YouTube and you go to thend.digital, you'll find episodes already loaded for you to watch there. And I, I've uh, been checking out a couple of those episodes down in there worth watching. So hopefully people will connect with that. There's another um, series that I think uh, people will benefit from that's online, and that is Predictions of Hope Beyond Corona. And again, if you punch that into YouTube, you'll find those uh, episodes there for you to watch. So Um, We'd encourage you to do that. Otherwise, you can go to the website, which is discover.hopechannel.com forward slash predictions of hope. And we hope that people will enjoy that and maybe share those uh, links with other people so they can get involved as well. So why don't we do a little bit of a review and recap? Uh, Well, we'll do that afterwards, I think. (laughs) We're going to come. Are we coming to a piece of music? Let's uh, go to another piece of music. We're going to. Be listening to Enfield, Who Is He in Yonder Stall? Enjoy this music.
Listening to Enfield and Who Is He in Yonder School? Uh, yonder Stall. Just want to say uh, a shout out to all of you who are listening. We thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we're looking forward to sharing our program with you today. We have uh, been looking at a few things in last week's show. Looking up, and Danny, maybe you want to share a little bit of a review and a recap of what we talked about last week, so that we can sort of springboard into what comes next. Sure, I'd love to do that, Peter. And I also just want to, yeah, huge welcome to whoever you are, wherever you may be listening to from. It's great that you're here on Faith FM this afternoon, looking up. And I'm really looking forward to, excuse the pun, 
looking at this wonderful subject that we have to continue on with today as we as we focus on looking up and looking for hope. Well, last week uh, we kicked off by taking a look at what Jesus had to say regarding the times that we are living in. And we specifically went to Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 21, and we zeroed in on the words of Jesus as they were connected to the signs that would precede the destruction of of Jerusalem and the temple in particular, as well as signs of the end. And we noticed that Jesus shared a number of signs, and what distinguished these signs um, from an end-time perspective in particular was that labor pains analogy that he used. Uh, we talked about that in Matthew 24, verse 8, where Jesus said, you know, these are the beginning of sorrows. And so uh, we, we well know that with labor pains, labor pains, they increase in frequency and intensity. And so we looked at a number of the signs. Um, and in particular, we zeroed in on pestilences or diseases, which Jesus said would be on the increase. And we can certainly see that that has been the case in the last couple of decades uh, we discovered that yeah, in the last two decades, we've had a number of we've had a number of viruses that have uh, taken our world by storm. Uh, beginning with HIV/AIDS, I guess that was some forty odd years ago. SARS, um, the avian flu, swine flu, Ebola, and now COVID nineteen. We also discovered uh, that just before Jesus comes, uh, there would be there would be a lot of panic in the world. There'd be a lot of stress. There'd be a lot of fear. There'd be a lot of anxiety. We looked at that from Luke chapter 21. Oh, sorry, Luke. Yeah, Luke chapter 21. We looked at the global impact. Uh, we also discovered that it's a wake-up call, a huge wake-up call for us. And uh, and finally, we looked at some of the some of the other prophetic predictions from from the from the words of the Apostle Paul and some other scriptures regarding what's going on. So that was a little bit of last week and where we were last week. Yeah, thanks, Danny. I, I uh, yeah, just wanted to pick up a couple of those things in terms of the fact that, you know, when you talk about some of the signs that Jesus talks about that will accompany the second coming and the end of the world and so forth, a lot of people will say, well, those things have been, you know, happening throughout history. You know, they'll talk about the fact that the, we mentioned this last week as well, the fact that, you know, you could read about earthquakes in the Old Testament, right, that there are earthquakes there and so forth. But I think that... Uh, that makes the point where he talks about them as being like uh, birth birth pains that they are in increasing intensity and, and frequency and that's that's what makes this period different another thing that we would want to say and we're coming into this further down the track and we want to let people know i mentioned before that we want to tell people kind of where we're headed and so uh, today we're going to talk about some of the health implications or how how the health implications of coronavirus segue with what the Bible has to say about health. You know, a lot of people, and I would have certainly been one of those, have, you know, don't appreciate that the Bible actually says things about health. Mm. You know, we usually think of the Bible, it's a spiritual book, it's all about praying and spiritual things and so forth. But there's a lot of practical counsel in the Bible. We're going to talk about some of that today. Um, but then we're going to look at the financial implications of coronavirus which, of course, you know, people are talking about um, in terms of how does the Bible have anything to, you know, to say about that? And what, you know, as we approach the end of the world that the Bible describes, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What can we expect between now and then? We said, uh, you know, last week that this was not the end of the world, but it is a sign of the times. And so that's sort of where we're going. So we're going to unpack some of those things. 
All right. So let's talk about some of the health um, connections, if you like, between this crisis and what the scriptures have to say. And it was interesting. Uh, I noticed on um, in January this uh, this year, when uh, shortly after the coronavirus was hitting the news, um, BBC News reported said coronavirus. Why are we catching more diseases from animals? It says the world is grappling with a new coronavirus which has spread from China to at least 16 other countries and, of course, globally now. It says, but the new virus thought to have stemmed from wildlife highlights our risk from animal-borne disease. This is likely to be more of a problem in the future as climate change and globalisation alter the way animals and humans interact. And it's true. We, we're, we are well, well aware of this increase of the spread of virus from animals to humans. And that's obviously the big concern at the moment, where it's actually come from. There's still a little bit of debate and discussion, but it appears that this virus has come from the wet markets yes, there so, in, in China. So I don't know if you want to unpack that a little bit more, Peter. Well, I was just going to say, um, I mentioned last week, um, I've been, uh, as I drive to work, uh, it's, it's, it's just very convenient, actually, because uh, as I drive to work, that drive is about 10 minutes long. And this little program that I listen to called CoronaCast on ABC, it's a podcast they put out every day. It's just 10 minutes. And it's basically Dr. Norman Swan uh, and the journalist there putting together uh, the latest bits and pieces of where we're headed with coronavirus and so forth. And they were talking this morning about the fact that whilst from um, a news perspective, Wuhan, China and the wet markets there, that's where it originated. The virus was about before then. That's probably where it was caught by people and spread to other people. Um, but they were talking about how um, it's likely to have come from bats and then possibly spread to pangolin, which is a kind of anteater creature uh, that they that they uh, sometimes have there at the wet markets in, in Wuhan. And the reason I mention this is because we mentioned last week, I think, you were talking about some of the variety of different diseases that um, we have encountered in the last couple of decades. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned... Um, um, swine, flu, uh, swine flu and Ebola that came from uh, originally from bats. COVID-19, of course, originally from bats. SARS, another uh, one. SARS was originally from Back bats. Back in 2003. And another one they mentioned this morning, which was the Hendra virus, which some people might remember in Queensland. They, um, there was this uh, Hendra virus that came out originally, I think it was in 1994, they first identified it, which came from flying foxes, which is bats, to horses and horses to people. Yeah. And that was the concern back then. So it's very interesting that bats have fi figured a lot in some of these um, diseases. Now, where's the segue between that and what the Bible has to say? How, how is there any link between that and what the Bible has to say? Well, the Bible's got a lot to say about what God has given to the human race right from the very beginning of time regarding uh, our healthy nutrition and that which is best for us. And even when it came to what kind of meat to eat, the Bible has got a lot to say about that. And, and, and some of the things that God says not to take on board, we're going to discover that some of, the, some of these, some of these um, meats have been, yeah, on the front lines of, of causing this major chaos. Let's, let's dive right in there because um, I'm going to uh, turn to a passage in Leviticus 11, 1 to 12, and I can tell you that um, even people who read the Bible a lot don't often spend a lot of time in Leviticus, I've got to tell you. Um, and that is because it deals with a lot of ritual, it deals with a lot of the priestly responsibilities, it deals with a lot of sacrifice, 
Um, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes people have said to me, uh, you know, what do you get out of Leviticus? And uh, my, my answer to that, having read it a few times now, is what I see in Leviticus is there's a sacrifice there's a, there's a sacrifice for sin, there's a sacrifice for sin, there's a sacrifice for sin. That's what I see over and over in Leviticus. But in Leviticus, there are some regulations that God gives to his people on what you should and shouldn't eat. Mm. And people are often surprised by that. I know, like I said before, I grew up in a secular environment. I called myself an atheist till my mid-20s. And so I knew you know, nothing about what the Bible said about anything. But now, um, when I discovered, you know, the God of the Bible, and I discovered what the Bible shared in relation to some of this, I was quite surprised at how much material there is in the Bible about practical daily living. And part of that is um, what you should and shouldn't eat. And we're not going to read all of this, um, but in Leviticus 11, verses 1 to 12, it talks about what God says you may eat and what God says you shouldn't eat. That's right. Right. Very clear. Very, very clear. simple. Very yeah. simple to follow so, as well. So maybe you could sum up, Danny. Can you sum up in terms of... So he in Leviticus uh, 11, they basically go through three categories of animals. So they talk about the land-based beasts. That's right. They talk about uh, the fish of the sea, and they talk about the flying creatures, right, the birds. And so maybe you want to unpack just briefly, what does it say about the land-based animals? Well, God is really clear, and um, we won't read the verses, but they're in Leviticus 11. It's fairly simple. The, t the two verses, identifying characteristics yeah, are fairly simple. Yeah, verses 1 to 3 there, God simply says, uh, the land animals, they, they are okay to be eaten if they have a split hoof and if they chew the cud. Nice and simple. So basically right. your, your, your beef, cattle. Your ruminators. Your, yeah, exactly. Your, the, your domestic animals, Okay, call them. So, yeah, so uh, a split hoof. And chew the cud, which is basically their grazers, and they they regurgitate and chew their their food again. And so you're talking about sheep, you're talking about goats, Go you're talking about cows, you're talking about deer. Those would be animals that have a split hoof and that chew the cud. And then uh, it actually explicitly talks about some animals which are unclean, and one of them is pigs. And I didn't realize, I wouldn't have known this until, of course, reading the Bible. Well, they have a split hoof, but they, they have don't a chew split, the... And they make this point. Yeah, but they don't, have, they don't chew the cud. Yeah. And then, of course, so, so that's the land animals. Basically, it's got to have a split hoof and it's got to chew the cud, be a grazing creature, basically. So it kind of rules out the scavengers, which is noticeable when you read through. Then it talks about the fish in the sea. And basically, as far as sea creatures, it's very simple once again. Two identifying characteristic. If it's got fins and scales, you're going to eat it. That's it. Fins that, that, those scales. are the fish. So if it hasn't got fins and scales, it's off the menu, right, as far as God is concerned. So there's that. And then, of course, it comes to the uh, flying creatures, right? And in verse 13 of Leviticus 11, it says, And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. And it basically lists... Those birds, and if you look through that list, it's mainly birds of prey. In other words, it's birds that eat other living things. Um, that, that's mainly what it is. But you can look, look through that. But at the end, in verse 19, one of the ones that it lists as unclean is the bat. Huh. And that's amazing to me because that was written about three and a half thousand years ago. 
And here we are confronted with a variety of uh, different diseases that we've been combating in the last 30, 40 years, many of which have originated with bats, including COVID-19. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how God, like you said, three and a half thousand years ago, gave us this counsel, this advice. Uh, well, not advice. It wasn't even a recommendation. It was a very clear command, a very clear command to the children of Israel for how they were to, to live because they had just come out of Egypt. We've got to remember the context of these words. They've been in Egypt for some 400 years. They've been slaves. Generations. Exactly. And now we've got 2 million people heading into the wilderness on their way to the promised land that God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And so God is saying, I want you to remain healthy on this journey all the way to the promised land. And so in order for you to remain healthy, uh, this is what I want for you. Now, of course, this wasn't the only thing he said. And no, we're, he we're said a number of things. Of that get, as yeah, well. We're going to get into some we're of those things. Them. But I think, I think it's really important that God wanted to spare the children of Israel from a lot of the diseases that were there present in, in Egypt. And if I could just read this scripture Go in to. Exodus 15, 26, this is what God promised. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, God said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So here God makes a promise. If you follow my instructions, my very clear counsel, the diseases that the Egyptians were inflicted by because of their lifestyle practices and what they ate and what they drank and so on and so forth, you won't have any of those diseases. So it's really important for us today, um, some three and a half thousand years later, to look at this council and see, does it really apply to us? Does it really apply to our day? And we're going to discover as we go along that it absolutely does. It's fascinating what's coming up. Yeah, well, certainly uh, you and I have benefited from that council, and we'll talk about that in a little moment. We're going to uh, take up some more music now. Um, we're going to um, listen to King of Love and I Am They.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to The Afternoon Show, Looking Up, with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. And we've been talking uh, a little bit about the health connections between coronavirus and the Bible. Um, we just want to remind you that if you would like to contact us, if you'd like to call in with a comment or a question, you can call one 800 That's one 800 843 or you can text us at 0491 064 669 that is 0491 064 669 and you can send in your comments and questions here on Faith FM Danny before we went to the break we were talking a little bit about some of the um, principles on diet found in Leviticus 11 and I just wanted to mention, I know that some people might say, oh, well, that's in the Old Testament, and uh, maybe they, they no longer apply. Uh, we won't dive into that topic today, um, but when you read the New Testament, when you read the words of Jesus, 
they assume the authority of the Old Testament. They assume that that is still valid. And I just wanted to uh, pose the question maybe for our listeners, because I had never thought of this until I found it in the Bible. But why is it that when you go into your average butcher shop here in Australia, you don't find horse meat? You don't find cats and dogs. Uh, typically, people in Australia don't eat those things. And why is that? What is the reason for it? And it basically boils down to this passage in Leviticus. Um, in the long run, that's where it came from. So um, this, of course, is not the only passage in the Bible that talks about health, lifestyle, diet, and everything else. So maybe uh, tell us where we're headed from here. Well, Peter, we're going to be moving to the very beginning of the Bible, we're in Leviticus, uh, which is, um, you know, third, third book of the Bible. But we're going back to Genesis. In fact, we're going to the very first chapter of Genesis where God, where God rolled out the ideal diet when he created Adam and Eve. And if I could use an illustration, when you buy a new car, if anyone's had the privilege of buying a new car, I don't know, have you ever bought a new car, Peter? Uh, they're always new to me. <laughs> but that's about it. That's um, about it, eh? If listeners want to finance my next vehicle, maybe, uh, no, maybe not. Well, I've been blessed to, to buy a couple of new cars. Uh, probably won't be happening for a while the way the economy is going. But um, even a second-hand car. But comes. even a second-hand car, even a second-hand car, there is, there is uh, one book that is of paramount importance that you would do well to take note of whether you've got a brand new car or a second-hand car, and that's the owner's manual, okay? how many, how the many car pe- manual, I how should How many say. people do you think actually read that thing? Um, not sure, probably about <laughs> one, out of a, one out of a thousand. <laughs> but um, I certainly, have you read yours? No. Ask me a different question. But hey, but the point you're making the, the, is the point valid. is The point is this, um, the car manufacturer, they put that car manual in your glove box in order for you to enjoy your car for the longest possible time and to and to avoid you know potential costs um, associated with breakdown so if you to want, ensure optimum performance yeah exactly optimum performance um, for you know for the longest possible time so when God rolled out if I could use that terminology when God rolled out Adam and Eve uh, on the showroom floor called the Garden of Eden, Um, He actually gave them fuel, the best possible fuel that would ensure that they would enjoy the longest possible life and and, and the happiest possible life. Now, obviously, before sin came into the world, uh, there was no no disease, there was no death and so on and so forth. However, this this diet that we're going to read about in Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, I'll, I'll... in fact, I'll, I'll pick it up in verse 29 there, where God says to Adam and Eve, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. So at the very beginning of time, even before sin entered the world, God gave Adam and Eve three, three categories of food. Fruits, nuts, and grains. I'll repeat that. Fruits, nuts, and grains. All right. So just uh, break that down for me. Fruits, nuts, and grains. What what are those three things have in common? Okay. They are they are all plant based foods. Yeah. And but they also have a seed. seed within. They all have a seed. They're yeah. all seed plant based foods. Now, after sin came into the world, God added one other element, and in Genesis chapter three and verse 
I think it's verse 18. In fact, that is, yeah, Genesis 3, verse 18. Uh, God says to Adam and Eve, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, speaking of the land, and you shall eat the herb, or that word there is vegetable or vegetables, eat the herb of the ground. So God here says to Adam and Eve, I've given you nuts, fruits, grains, and vegetables. And at the very beginning of time, we have, we have the human race living up to nearly a thousand years. Anywhere from seven, eight to nine hundred years is what they lived up until the flood. And then the flood comes along and the, you know, the age just drops dramatically. And there's, there's a number of reasons for that. Obviously, the environment was very different. But I think the point is here, God gave to the human race the optimal diet at the very beginning of time, which was a plant-based diet. And today, science is telling us that, yes, indeed, that is the way to go. Yeah, so th this is fascinating to me. So at the beginning, we've got kind of uh, God's plan in terms of the diet of humanity. And, uh, you know, I guess... These days, we could put that to the test, and many have done so, in terms of trying to work out what is the, the healthiest diet. And uh, it was interesting, uh, somebody introduced me to a documentary that was on uh, Netflix um, a little while back. It's pro probably still on there now. It's a program called The Game Changers. And uh, it's a documentary about a, uh, an athlete who um, I think he received an injury, and so he's laid off for a little while but while he was laid off he decided to do some research in what would be the best diet for both recovery and performance and uh, as he researched it uh, he discovered that the gladiators back in roman times actually um, lived mainly on a plant-based diet which he was surprised at he thought they'd be all you know tucking into their steak or whatever it may be and of course that has been a popular notion uh, I guess through um, you know the last century where people think that if you're going to be strong you've got to have a lot of protein and so forth um, but in this uh, fascinating documentary called The Game Changers they actually talk about the fact that a plant-based diet is the optimum diet for for not only humanity but for athletes for people who want to get to the peak of their powers. That's right and and I think apart from apart from nutrition uh, today, and especially in the context of of the times we're living in, uh, the immune system has been coming up over and over again. And we know that COVID nineteen, in particular, uh, is 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 detrimental to individuals who have a compromised immune system. They may have some some prior health uh, issues and concerns, and obviously the elderly. So it really hits them very hard. So as far as the immune system goes, there's actually a number of health principles that God gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden that you'll find in those first two chapters of Genesis. All right, I'm going to pause you there just for a second. So the, yes, so basically what we're saying on the one hand, coronavirus um, seems to... Um, you know, have a greater, you're a greater risk. Let's put it that way. You're a greater risk if you have a, a compromised immune system. Of course, the flip side of that is the stronger your immune system is, the better you are going to be in this circumstance. And so, um, yeah, so uh, in terms of uh, building our immune system, there are some principles that we find there in Genesis that I think that are helpful. And I, I've certainly, I, I'm sort of testifying, I suppose, to the last 20 odd years of my life where I've been uh, A, made aware of these principles um, and B, put some of them into practice in my own life and seen the benefits of that. And one of the things we want to mention, you mentioned it earlier, Danny, is in the Bible, when you come to the time of the flood, after the flood, God said, 
these you may eat. In other words, he gave permission to eat clean meat after the flood. Um, but we, it's interesting how science is finding that a plant-based diet is the healthiest diet for us to follow. Tell us about some of these health principles. Okay, these, these health principles, easy to remember through the acronym New Start. The acronym New Start, uh, simple. I'll go through them real quick. Uh, they're all from the Garden of Eden there. N stands for nutrition. We've, and we've talked, talked about, about that, that already. Plant-based diet. E stands for exercise. And I could do with some more of it, I think. <laughs> that's, that, that's really high up on my list. Um, those who know me, my family knows me, I'm, I'm always out and about walking or on my bike or playing tennis. Or... Let, me, let me cut in just there because of the eight. So there are eight here. Yeah, uh, there's eight. All named after one of those letters, New Start. We've gone with nutrition, exercise. Exercise. I was watching a program uh, that was presented by a health professional. Of these eight principles... I just want to mention this now. The one that gives you the most bang for your buck is exercise. Wow. In other words, if you um, were to abandon all the other seven, that wouldn't be smart. But if you did and you only did the exercise one, that's the one with the greatest payoff as an individual item. And I just want to throw that in there Mm. because, of course, in the last century, we have reduced our activity by about 70%. It's hard for us to fathom that, but because of motorization and machinery and everything else, we do a lot of what I'm doing right now, which is sitting around. And so um, we actually, for me at least, I have to plan exercise into my lifestyle because I don't get enough exercise in my just normal lifestyle. Absolutely. And if we include all those eight principles, well, then we get the the oh, biggest bang for our buck without a doubt without say. a doubt but i'm just talking about you know yeah exercise now yeah. exercise is really interesting because god put adam and eve in the garden of eden not in front of a computer yeah but, or in front of a tv screen or a microphone or a microphone but god put adam and eve in a garden and he told them to tend and to keep the garden to yeah. dig and um and there so was we, some activity involved there yeah absolutely and it's interesting since the industrial revolution uh the the population of the world has gravitated to the cities mm. where there is less activity there's obviously uh, less or no farming at all sure. within the confines of the city less fresh air absolutely so and that's and that's another one of the principles but yeah. we'll go through them so keep we've got down. nutrition exercise w stands for water and you've got four rivers Flowing through the Garden of Eden, yes. We've got I've got my wa- water bottle right here. Absolutely. That, uh, every time we take a break, I take a swig. <laughs> so we know the importance of drinking, you know, at least two litres of water a day. Um, so important for us to have water and, and also for hygiene purposes. You, you know, they reckon that uh, in in the Western culture, in the Western lifestyle, I guess we have, um, we have what is called chronic dehydration. I think 70% of us... Don't get enough water. That's right. In, we think uh, we're hungry. We think we're hungry, but we're, we're actually that's thirsty. That's a good point. Yeah, that's we a good We think point. we're hungry. Anyway, and that just adds to the problem. As we press on, we've got the S. So we've got the next letter is S on you start. That stands for um, sunshine. So we're blessed in Australia. We've got plenty of sunshine, especially where we live here uh, in, the, in the Lake Macquarie area. Uh, Newcastle and so forth and so on. Uh, then, so new start, T for for. Uh, for temperance, which is uh, another word for all good things in moderation. So very important. Let's to, unpack that a little bit well, because I have we a friend. Can go, we can go beyond that. Like you've got the old temperance movement yeah, 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 you know, yeah. of the past. Well, that's true. But I, there's a, a friend of mine who's a doctor and um, he sometimes will um, share, be sharing public lectures on these topics. And when he gets to tea, 
um, we could use the word temperance, but he, he also uses the word toxins. Mm. In other words, removing toxins from your lifestyle. Um, and so uh, maybe that's how it feeds into the temperance mm. movement. So just in, the, what I had heard it said in regard to temperance was it is um, removing those things which are harmful, so we might think of illicit drugs, we might think of nicotine from smoking, we might think of alcohol and so forth. So we're removing those things that are harmful to the body and then using in moderation those things which we know are good. Exactly. And so that leads us to our, our next letter, which is R, which is, sorry, which is A, I should say, air. Did we talk about air? Yeah, well, we talked We talked about the fact that if you, you live in the city, I guess you have less fresh air exactly. than uh, you do in the country. Although, you know, we're talking about the implications of the coronavirus and the fact that um, air quality is improving. Absolutely. So that was air. So that's the air. Then we go to the R, which is rest, mm-hmm. the importance of, of sleep, the importance of rest. And even God gave, at the very, at the very beginning of time, he gave the human race an entire day, every seventh day to rest. And, he, I sh- I and saw that's something we'll pick up on as, as we go along um, later on. And what's the last one? So The last one is T for trust in divine power. So trust, trust in, in God. So they're the eight principles of health. And if we put all those eight into place, and they're simple, easy to remember, new start, and you can have a new start to your life. And I've put these new start principles into my life, into practice. And now these are my default position and I've been so blessed. So it's just been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. Look, I can testify to that too. We're going to take uh, a a little pause here. We're going to listen to some beautiful music again. uh, And then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about these new start principles. We're going to listen to a song, Be Thou My Vision. I, I really enjoy this song by For Him.
That was Be Thou My Vision with For Him. You're listening to Faith FM. This is the afternoon show, Looking Up, with me, Peter Watson, Danny Milenkov. And we have been talking about some of the health principles found in the Bible, believe it or not, um, and how they have implications for the coronavirus outbreak that we are seeing globally around the world. And we've been talking about um, eight principles, eight health principles uh, that we can find there in the Bible uh, called uh, that come with the acronym New Start. And we have said that they, that stands for nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and trust in divine power. And I just wanted to pick up on that one, Danny, where you talked about rest. Um, I remember seeing a, a, a magazine cover a couple of years ago, and it was saying the human race is engaged in a large-scale experiment on sleep deprivation because, of course, we uh, often either work or play well into the night now because of uh, the invention of you know electric lights over a century ago. And so um, we are extending, if you like, our waking period and reducing our sleeping period and maybe not getting the rest uh, that most of us need. Uh, I, I, uh, I know I've been guilty of that myself where I burn the candle at both ends, but uh, I know too that when I've chosen to get adequate amount of sleep, which is about eight hours a, day, a night, then uh, I just feel so much better in the day after that. Um, one of the things I just wanted to mention about the New Start health principles is that they're simple, they're practical, and they're free. You don't need to go to rebel sport. And you don't have to be a doctor or a medical scientist to understand them, right? They are simple to understand. You know, uh, they are practical in the sense that anybody can put them into practice. You don't need a lot of uh, gear to do that. Um, And they're free. And they work. And they work. And they work. And I I can testify, and you you can too, to the payoff uh, in the way you feel and the way you function when we're putting these principles, these biblical principles of health, the simple, practical and free principles of health in the New Start um, principles. When we put them into uh, practice, we feel that much better. Absolutely. And I totally agree with that. And I think Australians um, have been caught napping when it comes to health. Uh, At the moment, we recognize there are two serious uh, crises that we are facing here in Australia, not to mention the rest of the world, economic and health. These are the two that are shared over and over again, economic and health. And we are willing to sacrifice the economy for the sake of health and for the sake of preserving life. And that's commendable. And if I was in the Prime Minister's shoes, I would be be going down the same road. Yeah, because life life is more important than money. Exactly, because if we don't have if we don't have people who are healthy and well and alive, we're not going to be paying any debt, let alone <laughs> that's right, let alone the debt that we've racked up. So I think in the context of of what's taking place right now, health and well being, having a strong, healthy immune system is absolutely critical. It's 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 so critical. It's never been more critical. We've got more disease today than ever before. You know, we're not just talking about you know pandemics based on viruses but i just want to read to you uh the latest health report card from the australian institute of health and welfare should i tune out now i do i really want to hear this (laughs) this is quite fascinating this is quite fascinating this sounds like my school report card (laughs) this is this is how it works um this was the headline 
back in uh, 2018. It comes out every two years. This is the 16th uh, report that's come through, and I've been tracking it over the last number of years. This was the headline. Our health report card is in, and here's what we can learn. Are you ready, Peter? I'm listening. <laughs> you may no, want wake to. Wake me up. Wake me up. <laughs> All right. This is really interesting. When it comes to health, uh, they surveyed Australians. Uh, this is from the government. So this is uh, a very wide-ranging survey, as, as wide-ranging as we've had. And they discovered that four in every five Australians grade their own health as at least being good, if not very good or excellent. Okay, so 80% of Australians are saying, my health, according to my reckoning, is either good, very good or excellent. Okay, so that's what we're saying. But what are the statistics saying? Are you ready for this? <laughs> A reality check Here we go, from here we go, here we go. These are, these are the realities. Let me just read them out to you. Firstly, half of Australians, okay, that's half of the 25 million people that live here. That's, that's a lot 50%. of people. That's 50%. I can work that out. Have a common chronic health condition. Okay. They have at least one chronic health condition, such as diabetes, heart disease, mental health illness, or cancer. And we can throw in their stroke, which they haven't. Importantly, notice this. This is from, this is from our federal health uh, minister. Importantly, almost a quarter of us have two or more of these conditions, often making our experiences of health and healthcare particularly complex. Now, our listeners might not realize this, but we're pumping out billions and billions and billions of dollars every year on health. In fact, uh, the 2015-2016 year, um, in that budget alone, the Australian government spent $170 billion on health. And according to this article, outstripping population growth mm. by far. So, I mean, I could go on and on and, and share with I you. I hope you won't. Um, <laughs> but I think that just gives a picture like our, I'll have to share this, our, our expanding waistlines. All right. Uh, <laughs> Talk to me about that. Here we go. This is interesting. It says our expanding waistlines are... Uh, Notable example, okay, of, of things going downhill, sadly, in Australia. About six in 10 adults, or 63%, are either overweight or obese, while carrying too much weight is responsible for 7% of our total disease burden. So, you know, we've got some very serious health and lifestyle issues that we really need to face, and those New START principles are at the forefront of arresting um, those, those, those problems and giving us good quality of life. I couldn't agree more, Danny. I think that um, what you're saying here is, I mean, obviously, the, the kinds of things that you've just read out there I think we've known about, you know, we've been talking about them in Australia for about 10 years. So th this is not new stuff. But the, um, the, maybe the remedy is very old stuff. And so you're talking there about spending billions of dollars on, uh, you know, trying to alleviate some of the symptoms from all of these things. Where on the other hand, we've talked about the, the fact that the eight principles of health that we've been talking about is more a case of prevention rather than cure. You know, in terms of, you know, if you've got um, the option of prevention or cure, then why not choose prevention, particularly when it's free? 
Well, that's what they're saying. That, that's what they're saying in this article that the government has put out, this press release. They're saying the majority of our health burden is preventable. Right. These are preventable, preventable lifestyle yeah. diseases that especially inflict the Western world because of our lifestyle, because yeah. of what we eat, we don't exercise, and da-di-da-di-da. I saw, I saw a report recently where it's saying 70% of Australians die from preventable illness. Like someone, uh, I think there was a documentary that I watched um, a couple of years ago, uh, Death by Knife and Fork. <laughs> and it's true, you know, that's, uh, that's how we're going down. And, and as I pointed out earlier, the importance of health and well-being is when we come across a virus such as COVID-19, yeah. that, that is so deadly potentially if you already have one or more of these chronic conditions. These underlying health it's, issues. It's going to hit you for six. Yeah. And so God here at the very beginning of time said, hey, you know, you're going to live on a sinful planet. It's going to be pretty tough. It's going to be pretty rough. Give yourself the best chance, not only to fight off disease, but in the meantime, to enjoy a, a happier and a healthier experience. I mean, why not enjoy good health? So these principles that you're talking that we've talked about in the New Start um, theme, if you like, or the principles of New Start, uh, we can say that they're beneficial um, to your health regardless of coronavirus. They, they, they obviously will benefit a person um, in terms of uh, helping to build a strong immune system um, in the coronavirus era, but even prior to the coronavirus era. Uh, we needed the new start principles because of the nature of our uh, lifestyle and so forth. So, and some of those chronic diseases. Something else I wanted to uh, touch on, Danny, because we're we're talking about how does are there any connections between what the Bible has to say and the coronavirus um, crisis that the world finds itself in? And today, of course, we're talking particularly about health principles and of course there are other health principles that we can think of if you think about the way in which the governments of the world have um, tackled this coronavirus crisis they have imposed uh, quarantine isolation um, and you know washing hands. the washing of hands right who would have thought that we would need to tell people to wash their hands in 2020 in australia but we've been emphasizing that the government's been emphasizing that thoroughly washing of hands and uh, i just wanted to bring up uh, I, another connection if you like with our current uh, situation and what the bible has to say about some of these things again going back three and a half thousand years again god was ahead of the game he was ahead of the game and so when you come again to the book of Le leviticus you've got um a situation there where where they had uh, one of the diseases that they were facing back there was leprosy mm, that's leviticus and, chapter 13 and 14 that's right those two chapters and it talks about uh leprosy which was contagious and how to deal with that and they imposed quarantine they would put you out of the camp they would isolate you um, until the, the the problem was uh, solved and in terms of hygiene um, what what was interesting to me is where you read in Leviticus 13 I think it is or no 15 verse 13 I'm just going to read that to our listeners I can jump in there and read that. Yeah, go ahead, Danny. We're there. talking about Leviticus 15, verse 13. And then I want to talk about hand washing in our modern context. It says, And when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes and bathe his body in running water. There it is. All right. Then he shall be clean. 
All right. Thank you, brother. So um, we're talking there about running water, not just any old water, not a pond that you find in the backyard, but in running water. And why would that be? Um, well, of course, you know, today we have running water in our homes. We have running water in the hospitals. But it wasn't that long ago that people weren't making use of running water. And, you know, when we when we hear about these things, we think, what? Surely not. Surely everybody knew this. That was written three and a half thousand years ago in the book of Leviticus. But I want to uh, draw your attention to um, the 1840s. Uh, there was a man, um, a, a doctor, Ignaz Semmelweis. He was a Hungarian, young Hungarian physician. He was working at um, a hospital in Vienna. And uh, women would come into that hospital to give birth and there was a, a horrendous death rate for women who were contracting infections after giving birth, and they were dying up to 30% of these women who were giving birth in Vienna at that time, 1845, were dying of infections. And Semmelweis noticed that doctors and their assistants, they would go from examining a woman who had died and they would go from that examination to a woman who was well and truly alive and about to give birth, and they would, uh, you know, uh, examine and assist her, but they would not wash their hands in between. And Semmelweis uh, thought to himself, well, maybe this 30% death rate, is there anything that can be done? Is there any connection? Is there any connection? And so he suggested that they wash their hands in a bowl of water between examining the person who had died from infection and going to examine uh, the next healthy living specimen, so to speak. And so, um, and, and actually the death rate came down to 2%. Wow, from 30% of, down to 2%. Yeah, and they were washing their hands in a bowl of water, not running water. Um, and these days, of course... You go to any hospital and they've got, you know, those special taps that you can move your arm. I used to work in a couple of hospitals and my wife did too. So um, we're, we're aware of those things. And, of course, uh, you and I probably have visited lots of people in hospitals, Danny. But, uh, you know, they have those taps so that you don't even have to touch the taps and you can wash your hands in running water and, and wash away the possible uh, infection, uh, virus, disease, whatever it might be on your hands so that you uh, are able to... Um, you know, practice good hygiene. But those principles are right there in Leviticus three and a half thousand years ago. And it's interesting because we're dealing with two million people that have come out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness for 40 years without one hospital. Yeah, <laughs> imagine, right. imagine two million people without even one hospital. And so God gives all these principles and there's, you know, you've mentioned hygiene, you've mentioned, you know, quarantine. isolation, quarantine yeah. regarding leprosy. But there were, there, there were laws concerning, you know, bodily discharge and, um, and just simply going to the toilet, if I could use that language that everyone yeah. understands. And um, so, so God gave these laws in place in order to in order to keep away from disease. So, yeah, very, very powerful. Very interesting, Danny. Well, we're going to take a breather here. We're going to have some more music. We're going to be uh, listening to Chris Winninger. Holy, holy, holy.
You were listening to Chris Weninger, Holy, Holy, Holy. You're now listening to Faith FM and the afternoon program, which is Looking Up with me, Peter Watson, my co-host and good friend, Danny Milenkov. Just want to tell you a couple of things before we move on in our program. If you would like to contact us, you can call in with a comment or a question at 1-800-324-843. That is 1-800-324-843. Please call in and uh, share your comments and questions with us. Or you can text us on 0491 064 Six six nine. That's o four nine one, o six four six six nine. Now, before we go back to you, Danny, I'm just going to uh, mention a couple of other things too. We talked earlier in uh, the program that there are a couple of online series um, of messages that I think people will find very helpful that are touching on many of the things we're talking about here in our uh, afternoon show. And one is called um, the End. And uh, the subtitle is What the Bible Says About the End of the World. And you could find that at theend.digital. If you go to YouTube and you punch in theend.digital, you will find those presentations and you can start watching. Or you can go to the website, theend.digital. And uh, we want to encourage you to uh, catch up with that. That will um, have presenters Lyle Southwell and Charissa Tarosian, two good friends of mine. I know you'll appreciate what they have to say. And the other one, uh, another series of online presentations that touch on these topics, it's called Predictions of Hope Beyond Corona. And uh, if you punch that into YouTube, you'll find those presentations there. But you could also go to the online uh, web address, which is discover.hopechannel.com forward slash predictions of hope. All right, Danny, so we have been talking about some of the health implications of coronavirus and where the Bible has something to say about the kind of climate that we're currently living in, the kind of crisis we find ourselves in. We've talked about uh, some of the dietary laws in the Bible that um, certainly have implications for where the virus came from. We're talking about the bats and so forth. We've talked about the New Start principles, and we'll uh, cover those again a little later in the program to remind people of what that acronym New Start is all about. Um, and we've talked about some of the hygiene and uh, quarantine principles that you find in the Bible three and a half thousand years ago. Here's something that's interesting I noticed in the news and this was in uh, 2nd of April this year. Um, it says the fear, this is BBC News, it says the fear of coronavirus is changing our psychology. And here's uh, the first paragraph. It says the threat of contagion can twist our psychological responses to ordinary interactions, leading us to behave in unexpected ways. Yeah, it's true. We are well aware of the mental health implications that we currently have. And we got to remember that it was never God's plan, never God's plan for us to suffer from disease of, of any variety. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them in a perfect environment. But because of the sin problem, we today face both physical, psychological, um, social, all, all, all sorts of illnesses and diseases. Let me just stop you for there a minute, because when you mention the sin problem, I have an idea what you're talking about. Our listeners may wonder, well, what is the sin problem? And essentially, God had a plan. He created a paradise. He put Adam and Eve into it. And he had a plan for keeping them in paradise. That's what he wanted. He wanted their happiness. He wanted everlasting life for the human race. He said, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth. Um 
What happened was when we stepped away from God's plan, we stepped away from him. And in stepping away from him, the Bible talks about him being the source of life. In fact, he's the only source of life in the universe. And as we step away from God, we step away from the source of life. We step away from the source of blessing. So um, we just wanted to unpack that a little bit. But carry on. Yeah, well, so like I said, it wasn't God's original plan, but God placed within within our DNA, he placed within our DNA the ability to fight against against illness, against disease, and, and against the the ravages of this stepping away from God, as you put it, and the consequences associated with that. And so when God, in his word, gave us instructions, he gave us instructions in order that we may make the most of this situation that we have here on planet Earth. And and one of the serious issues is mental health. Yeah, well, one of the, one of the, just while you were talking about that, I was thinking about the fact that one of the ways I, I put that is, we're in trouble in the sense that we get sick and we die. That was never God's plan, but we're in that situation right now. But God basically gives us not only a plan of how to um, realize everlasting life, which is his ultimate plan for humanity, but also how to navigate planet Earth while you're down here. That's right. And, um, and Jesus told us what life would be like prior to his coming. And we looked at this last week. We won't take the time to read Uh, Luke 21 verses 25 and 26 but there Jesus simply said that uh, the world or the people of the world will be filled with distress there'd be perplexity there'd be fear there'd be great uncertainty and uh, that's what we have today we've got panic we've got fear we've got a lot of anxiety and before COVID-19 here in Australia we were already suffering from uh, loneliness and an anxiety and a depression pandemic uh, yeah, rising, already, yeah. oh, it, it was huge and um, I remember coming across this report from the Australian Psychological Society and uh, this was the headline Australian Loneliness Report a survey exploring the loneliness levels of Australians and the impact on their health and well-being and notice some of the statistics from this from this government report <clears throat> One in four Australian adults are lonely. That's a lot. One in four Australian 25%. adults are lonely. Yeah, that, that's, that's millions, millions of Australian adults. One in two, so that's 50% of Australians, feel lonely for at least one day every week. I mean, you may be thinking, oh, one day out of seven, that's not really a big deal. But absolutely a big deal. I hate to be alone one day out of every seven. And I'm sure these individuals, 50% of them that's, that say that they're lonely one in every seven days, it's a tragedy. One in four feel lonely for three or more days mm. in the week. That's one in four. And so these are the, these are the statistics that we have. And, um, and sadly, Australian, um, the, the loneliness problem here in Australia has obviously just been significantly increased through the social distancing and the self-isolation and social isolation that we've been experiencing. A couple of years ago, uh, i just pick up on that report, Danny, because a couple of years ago, the British government actually appointed uh, a minister for loneliness which is, you know, hard to fathom that you would ever think, you know, you'd never think of appointing a minister for that. But back in 2017, that's what British British government did. They appointed a minister for loneliness. So 
you know, I, I mentioned that because of, uh, you know, we talked last week about um, some of your background and mine and uh, my background is uh, from the UK. And so I sort of keep uh, touch with, with what's happening over there. But uh, a minister for loneliness. Isn't that incredible? And that's and that's and that's the times that we have come. Where so, it's- what's the solution to that, Danny? It's all very well saying that uh, you know loneliness is a problem. Well, the solution is once again from the Garden of Eden. There in the Garden of Eden, uh, what did God say when He created Adam? He said that it's not good for man to be alone. So, uh, the solution for for loneliness is is connection. And obviously, it's a very big challenge at the moment because we're asked to you know be distant from one another thank thankfully here in australia those those restrictions are easing mm. uh, we, we can praise god for that uh, however overall we are not as i mean it's really interesting because as, as you take a look at how we live our lives we are more connected in some ways than ever before i mean you may have a thousand friends on facebook but you don't have one real friend to turn to in a time of crisis in a time of need and so that's the kind of world we live in, but God is inviting us to connect. And there's lots of different ways to connect. Families, um, that's something we're going to well, talk about. Gonna, yeah, I wanted to pick up on that, and we will dive into that a little bit more. But as you mentioned there in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. That's a fascinating line in the Bible because it's in the context of God creating Adam, placing him in paradise, okay, where everything was perfect. And the Bible says of creation that everything was good, 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 very good, right? And yet, then, that one sentence where God says, it is not good for man to be alone. And, uh, of course, then um, God creates Eve and he creates the family and he says, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the world. So his intention is not only for them not to be alone, but it's the intention to, to have uh, kids and, and produce a family. And family is so important. And I particularly picked up on that in terms of this current environment, as you've said, we uh, have a government-mandated isolation, right? Uh, for the first time. For the first time in my lifetime, right? Uh, th- throughout the world, it's, people have been in lockdown. Don't go out unless you really have to and so forth. And so who are you living with? You're basically living with your family members if you have family. And that's the importance of family, I think, is, is that even in this crisis situation, it's those you're close to, it's your family that um, are the ones that you have contact with and can, re, you know, depend upon and so forth. I think that um, what's interesting is that whilst you were saying that we are more connected than ever through digital media and so forth, and, you know, I can't uh, count how many Zoom meetings I've been on in the last month or two, um, but it was interesting. There was some uh, research done, I think, in Scandinavia a few years ago uh, long before coronavirus, but they were trying to, um, they were looking at uh, how we interact and they were looking at loneliness. In fact, when they did a survey in the UK, they found that the loneliest group of people in the UK were young people, which was a surprise because they thought, well, you know, if, you've, uh, if you're an older person and you've lost your spouse, so you're living alone, they found that that person was less lonely than some of the younger people, the teenagers and the, the young adults. And what's interesting is that uh, they discovered that there is a psychological or a, a physiological uh, reaction that takes place when you're in the presence of another human being that doesn't take place when you're looking at a screen. And that's fascinating to me because it kind of emphasizes that point where God says, 
it is not good for man to be mm-hmm. alone. We were not designed to interact uh, via screens um, <laughs> as far as a plan A. It's... It's it's the next best thing, but yeah. we were designed to spend time together. We're glad and, we've got them right now. Yeah, and it's interesting how much time we spend on social media, how much time we spend in front of screens, and how much time we spend talking to one another with real people. That's right. You've got you've got couples who are in the same in the same house and they're texting one another. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of virtual reality, but we we also need a dose of reality reality, um, where we are actually interacting with people and. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's good for, you know, it's good for our mental health. There are a couple of Bible verses that I, I don't know if you wanted to talk yeah, about Yeah, I'd like us to, to unpack a couple of these verses briefly. We don't have a lot of time, but I think they're, they're important to, to deal with. And the first one, I think, is fear, uh, because there's a lot of fear, obviously, out there. But it's interesting what the Bible says in First John chapter 4 and verse 18. In First John chapter 4, verse 8, it simply says, God is love. And then it's followed up in verse 18 with these words. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So it was never part of God's plan for us to have fear. Fear came as a result of Adam and Eve uh, turning their backs on God's principles of love at the very beginning of time that God gave to the human race. And they were afraid, the Bible says, uh, at the very beginning of time. And so the, the closer we come to God, the more we seek to live our lives in harmony with the principles of his kingdom, the less fear we experience. Mm. It's interesting, too, because uh, God did not move away from us. We moved away from him. You know, when it says that when Adam and Eve, um, God came looking for them after they had uh, sinned, and it says they hid and they were afraid of God. They were afraid. Something had happened. Something had changed in them. Um, there's another verse uh, that talks about fear, and we'll come to that in a moment. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. Maybe you can look that up. I'm going to share a verse from Philippians, which is a, a favorite passage of mine. It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So I'm going to read this. And it says, Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so uh, I really like that passage because it's talking about our need to connect with God in prayer. Um, We will come back and talk about um, other verses, such as the one we mentioned in 2 Timothy, um, in a moment, but I really believe that our connection with God, our connection with other people, um, helps us in regard to that fear. And you've been listening to Faith FM and the afternoon program Looking Up.
is my Ebenezer Here by thy great help I've come And I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed His precious precious blood Oh, that day when freed from sinning I shall see thy lovely face Clothed then in blood-washed linen How I'll sing thy sovereign grace Come, my Lord, no longer tarry Take my ransom soul away Send thine angels now to carry
listening to Anthem Lights and uh, before that you were listening to Chris Rice with Come Through Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing which actually is one of my favourite hymns Danny it's a beautiful hymn so it really is um, you're listening to Faith FM uh, we're back here in the afternoon show with Peter and Danny and looking up and we've been talking about the connection between some of the health implications of coronavirus and the what the Bible has to say about health uh, both uh, physical mental and uh, all things considered. So um, I'm going to just throw back to you, Danny, because I thought one of the things we could do is to just remind people once again, we mentioned the New Start health principles earlier in the program, and I thought we might come back to you and just get a reminder of those for those who might want to just jot those down or, um, you know, because they are such a, they're such a benefit to general health. They're simple, they're practical, they're free. It's called New Start. Remind us of what that's all about. And they're from the Garden of Eden. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> from the original designer of the human body. So new start stands for nutrition is the N. E is for exercise. W is for the water. And then the S is for sunlight. T is for temperance or as you put it, you know, take toxins out the of your body. Elimination of toxins. The eliminations of toxins. And then we have the A for air. R for rest, both sleep as well as taking one day off, which is extremely important. And then the last T is trust in divine power. And I love that scripture in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. There is so much blessing in that one uh, little passage in scripture, isn't there? Because, Absolutely. Uh, I know that I lived, uh, you know, a lot of my life, life without even knowing that that existed, without even knowing that God existed. And uh, this is really what we're, we're trying to share with people is the benefit of engaging with the God of the Bible, uh, taking him seriously, taking his counsel seriously, and seeing how that uh, brings abundant benefit to, to people's lives. Living the to... abundant life, as Jesus put it. And, and you know what? If we put our faith and trust in God, we don't need to be afraid. And we just talked about well, that that's exactly before right. the break. And I just want to read that scripture that we promised our listeners. Go ahead. We would go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. This is one of my favorite scriptures. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, I love that word, and of love and of a sound mind. So God wants us to have uh, good mental health. He wants us yeah. to be healthy physically, uh, mentally, socially, and spiritually, that holistic uh, four-phase health that God created us it's with. It's a whole, the, it's a whole package, isn't it? And I think that today we, we, have, uh, we have a real challenge when it comes to families, and we want to talk about that now, Peter. Um, so... Well, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. I just wanted to pick up on one thing because, you know, we're, we're um, espousing here the benefits of connecting with God, finding out what he says in his word, how those things can benefit us both within and without uh, the coronavirus um, and so forth. And then, of course, uh, the spiritual blessings, that the, the hope of everlasting life. But I wanted to talk about, you know, people might be hearing, yeah, well, I want all those benefits too, but... You know, if I get engaging with God, I'm sure God's going to want me to give up something I don't want to give up. And uh, I'm just thinking of a Bible verse here, which is Psalm 84, verse 11. And the last half of that verse, it says, No good thing 
will he withhold from those who walk uprightly? Mm. And I used to think about this too. And, you know, I think a lot of people keep God at arm's length because they are concerned that God, A, doesn't always mean them, you know, isn't, hasn't always got good intentions. Maybe God's going to condemn us for our sins or, you know, he's going to punish us for the things that we've done. Um, or they're concerned that God's going to convict them that they've got to give up something that they like. All right. And I just wanted to remind people, I guess, of this scripture, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. In other words, God is not God is described as a loving heavenly parent. And he only wants the best for us. And just he only like, ever wants the best. Just, just like, like any parent. Any want. loving parent That's wants right. the best for their kids. Exactly right. And, you know, God is saying, why settle for second best? When I only want the best mm. for you, and and God is uh, not trying. It's a little bit like if you had a teen, teenage son or daughter who was addicted to drugs, and uh, you you were trying to help them to get off those drugs to improve their life. Um, in a way, that's where God's at. That that's where God's at. God is God is only ever going to counsel us to eliminate toxins from our life. He's only going to ever counsel us to eliminate bad things from our life. And with that, by the way, sometimes we talk about taking things out. God's bringing in a truckload of good, right? He's going to bring in a truckload of good things into our lives if we'll let him in and let him um, direct our paths as it was before. Well, Danny, you mentioned before you talked about um, some of the uh, family situations um, that we we are encountering in the coronavirus crisis era. And one of those things I noticed in ABC News, this was back in 21st of March this year, and the headline was how to stay married through coronavirus. <laughs> how to stay married. How to stay married when through When it's coronavirus. not coronavirus, let alone when it's why, coronavirus. Why would your marriage be at threat under coronavirus? And, of course, many people are... Uh, there's an increase, a reported in, uh, increase in re- the reports mm. of domestic abuse, which is very concerning. That's doubled, uh, it's, and yeah. there, and that's what we. And those know are just of. the reported that's cases. That's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, that's the reported yeah, so. cases, and so, you know, that's that's tragic, uh, and that's really, you know, it's kind of uh, interesting that uh, when you look at marriage in the Bible, uh, the strength of a man is given for the purpose of protecting the family, and isn't it ironic that in so many uh, situations you have the strength of a man being used to abuse mm, yeah, uh, their own family. To be protected. Where his his actual role is to protect and even love. to die for. That's right. His own family. That's right. In other words, when the enemies come to the door, it's supposed to be <laughs> the guy who's at the door protecting the house. Well, that's um, what Jesus said in John ten ten when it comes to family and health. He said the the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. But I have come that that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So. For all the blessings that God gives to the human race, the enemy comes along and he wants to sabotage those blessings. And the family unit is supposed to be the the bedrock of society. It's supposed to be the place where we find shelter, where we find love and, and a place of refuge from the outside world, which can be very challenging at times. And yet often people come into the home and they're at home and, and that's where the... And that's sadly where, you know, where, where the greatest Some of the dangers are taking place. Yeah. Yeah. So here where it's saying how to stay married through coronavirus, we talked about 
the origin of the family uh, a little earlier when we were talking about what the Bible says in the book of Genesis, that it was God's, God's invention was the family unit. And um, it's important that um, we understand that, you know, as you read out one of those verses in First uh, John 4, 8, that God is love. Now, I want to just unpack that a little bit because the Bible does not say that God is loving, but it actually says that he is love. In other words, Everything that God does, everything that he thinks, everything he says is motivated by that foundational value, that foundational characteristic that is him, and that is that God is love. And so when we, um, if we want love in our relationships, we need to draw on that because God is the author of love. He is the um, source of love. Um, and, uh, you know, marriage, of course, is an expression that we find given in the Bible, and it's the foundation, like you said, for marriage. I just want to pick up on a verse in um, Malachi. Now, people might be wondering, where on earth is Malachi? Malachi is actually the last book of the Old Testament. The New Testament begins with the book of Matthew. But Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and uh, we're going to the last chapter. In fact, we'll probably be looking at some of the, uh, the last couple of verses in Malachi chapter 4 and verses 5 and 6, these are the last two verses. This is in the how Old the Testament. Old Testament concludes. This is how the Old Testament concludes. And uh, for our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the Bible, I know that I was very unfamiliar with the Bible when I first started approaching it. The Old Testament was written before Jesus came. The New Testament was written after Jesus came. And that, that's the simple way of understanding the Old and New Testament. So Malachi 4 verse 5 and 6, it says... Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now, hang on a second. What's this all about? Well, Elijah was a prophet. His name actually means my God is Jehovah. That's what his name means. So he's saying, behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. This is referencing the second coming and the end of the world. So it's, it's placing that in a context. There's going to be a message about my God is Jehovah or my God is the God of heaven. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, it says in verse 6, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In other words, God's intention at the end of time is to try and turn fathers back to their children and children back to their fathers to reconcile families, to draw families back together again to to uh, reconcile relationships essentially uh, the, the 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 beauty i see in this first danny is that in the bible god himself is described as a loving heavenly father and in a way he's describing the fact that he also wants to have this relationship between his children which is humanity being drawn back to their father which is god but he's also talking about that, of course, in the context of earthly families. And God is looking to bring harmony back to families. He's looking to bring reconciliation back to families. And this has always been God's plan right from the very beginning of time when he created Adam and Eve. And as we shared earlier, he invited them or, or commanded them, I should say, to be fruitful and multiply and to have a family unit. And right at the very beginning of time, we have the devil coming in and, and destroying the family by by inspiring the very first murder. And then at the end of time, as you rightly pointed out, God is planning on reconciling the family. And in fact, this passage that we've just read here from Malachi chapter 4, 5 and 6 is picked up on 
by the angel that tells the father of John the Baptist that he will have a son that they were to name John and he would also prepare the world for the first coming of Jesus with this very same message turning the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So this message prepared the world for the first coming of Jesus and this same message will prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus for that great reunion day when we would all be together and um, if ever there was a time when we needed that family reconciliation it's today and i believe that god has all the necessary ingredients in his word yeah that's true there's, there's a, a verse i'm going to read and we talked a little bit about some of the signs of the times um in our first uh, show last week uh and from matthew 24 and i want to go back to matthew 24 for a verse that i noticed there where jesus is describing some of the signs of the times and in matthew 24 and verse 12 uh he says this he says um, and because lawlessness will abound, in, in other words, there's going to be a lot of lawlessness, okay, a lot of lawlessness, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I think he's describing the condition of the world just before he comes. He's talked about the other signs, but that's another sign of the times. When we talked about that minister, of lon uh, minister for loneliness in the UK, when we talked about loneliness being on the increase, these are part of the signs of the times. And uh, God is wanting to bring, uh, if the love of many is grow going to grow cold, we need to find a source of love. And God is saying he is the source of love. He's the one who's going to bring um, that uh so the closer we come to God, the closer we come to one another. Yeah, I think he's, that's, that's he's exactly the, true. He's the center in the wheel. That is so true. It's like a wagon wheel, as you, exactly. you mentioned. So if you if God is in the center, you um, you might be way over there, Danny, and I'd be, be way over here. But as we move closer to the center on that wagon wheel, we get closer to one another. And that's God's intention. Um, so I think uh, if we have... Uh, the love of many growing cold, we need that source of love. And, and love is really a self-sacrificial caring for another. You know, I think of some of the, uh, the wedding vows that people take when they get married. It's never, if you do this, then I will do that. You know, I've, you've probably counseled a number of uh, couples in, in marriage, uh, as, as I have. And uh, we, um, you know, we talk about the fact that Love is self-sacrificial. When you take those marriage vows, it's about I'm promising to love you, to cherish you in, for better and worse, sickness and in health and all of those things. Well, we are coming towards the end of our program, Danny. Can you believe that time has gone so fast? It is zoomed by. And uh, we've uh, talked a little bit about various things in the last two shows, uh, some to do with the signs of the time, some to do with health implications. We're going to be talking about the financial implications of coronavirus in our next show. Uh, so uh, maybe you want to say goodbye to our listeners, Danny. I want to say farewell and um, lovely to have you joining us. And if you want to uh, partake of the free offer, uh, Hope for a Hopeless Planet is the free book that we're giving away. Hope for a Hopeless Planet. Just call up and you will get your free offer. Thanks, Danny. That's about all we have time for again. I hope we've, you've enjoyed the show. We've enjoyed being with you. And we look forward to catching up with you again soon on Looking Up. God bless you.